Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Another week, we continue with the draft class recaps. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you. We've got just a few more of these left. We transition to the AFC North for today's show. And I will I will say for the YouTube listening audience, it's probably a little weird. There's sunlight shining into my video. There is darkness protruding into Jamie Eisner's video. Uh, we're recording this late Sunday night, but it is not uh, late Sunday night for me because the yes. sun's still out. It's like 6 o'clock. It's like 8 o'clock for Jamie. So it's a very weird kind of balance here. Uh, on the show with the AFC North, Jamie, uh, four teams, four draft classes to recap, break them down, discuss what we like, didn't like from them, power rank them, discuss if anybody closed the gap. In this case, they have to close the gap on the 12 and four first in the AFC North Cincinnati Bengals who had eight picks in this draft class and not to spoil it, but I thought they did pretty well here. Miles Murphy, defensive end too. from Clemson in round one. DJ Turner, corner from Michigan in round two. Jordan Battle, safety from Alabama in round three. Charlie Jones, wide receiver from Purdue in round four. Chase Brown, Illinois running back in round five. Andre Yashevich, wide receiver from Princeton in round six. Brad Robbins, punter from Michigan in round six. And DJ Ivy, corner from Miami in round seven. And Jamie, I look at the first three picks, and I think there's three guys that can compete to be starters right away. You've got two nice depth options at wide receiver, and depending on the way that Joe Mixon stuff sorts out, Chase Brown could find his way into this backfield very, very quickly. Yeah, I very much like this class. And and like you said, from the very top there, Miles Murphy is uh, one of the guys when we were putting together our mock drafts, we had trouble kind of finding the right landing spot, if you remember. Uh, but I love his, his ability to come in here. I think they needed some more depth in the pass rushing sphere. Uh, and then look, the secondary need to be revamped a little bit. Uh, and the, it's it's fairly young with some pieces now, but they're going to need more pieces. And I thought DJ Turner, who really stole the show with the fastest 40 time at the combine, and Jordan Battle in the third round were both really solid selections and, and players that could play meaningful snaps right away for Cincinnati's defense. But I really like what they did here in these these next three picks. And I think this is what puts it over the top for me as what I would call a great draft. Charlie Jones uh, from Purdue and Andre Yoshivas from Princeton uh, are two really solid but different types of players. I think Charlie Jones is a little bit faster than people give him credit for. Yoshivas is more of a physical but raw specimen at wide receiver. And you start to look towards the long-term options here. And even if they do end up paying T. Higgins and Jamar Chase – it's probably going to mean they're going to have to go cheaper at wide receiver three, four and beyond. And that might mean, you know, the end of the Tyler Boyd era in Cincinnati. I think both of these guys can provide really intriguing pieces as depth options in the receiving core for Joe Burrow. Uh, and then Chase Brown. We don't know what's going to go on with, with Joe Mixon. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan is now off in Denver. Uh, so uh, I, I know they've got Chris Evans there, but they've seemed reluctant to use him for anything but special teams work so far. They need to add some pieces, and you know, while Chase Brown might not be the most dynamic back, I think he's a pretty practical runner that I think could absolutely get them through a, a stretch as a complementary option. Now, he's not a Joe Mixon replacement, but I could absolutely see him being that number two Samaj P. Ryan type replacement for them, 
even as early as this year. I'll say this, Jamie. I look at this draft class, and I'm very impressed with what they did defensively. We all know Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, the kind of the, the outside edge guys. But yep. you talked about needing depth there. That's the name of the game in the AFC. You have to get after these quarterbacks. You have to get after Lamar Jackson. You have to get after Joe Burrow. You have to get after Tua, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence. You got to get after these guys. You got to disrupt them. You got to throw them off. And the way you do that is in two ways. You have a really great secondary that can shut stuff down. But more importantly, you got to be able to get after the quarterback. To throw him off platform and I think adding Miles Murphy uh, to this group is huge for the depth and again I mentioned that secondary piece DJ Turner I think is going to be able to battle with Chidobia Wuzier and Cam Taylor Britt to be one of the starting two corners for this team if not high quality depth there in in mm-hmm. uh, DJ Turner and Jordan Battle Dax Hill's probably going to replace um, uh, Jesse Bates now with him gone they needed to rotate their safety room around and I think Jordan Battle provides some high end depth there and potentially a starter in that regard so to me when you look at the way that you got to play football in the AFC with the way that the quarterback position is all the the, the top end talent is completely shifted to the AFC got to be able to get after the quarterback you got to be able to shut down teams wide receivers a major priority for Cincinnati in this draft and you got to give them a ton of credit they went into it they knew exactly what they needed and then they added in areas that we know that they're good at they're good at running the football they've got a good wide receiver depth but they continue to add to their identity for their team on offense and so for me that's what makes this a home run is they they did what we've talked about with a couple of teams in the past they knew what they needed to do they went out and did it, but then they added along the periphery in some other areas that we know could become problems down the road. Yeah, and, and I expect those that Brown, Yushovich, or Yoshivach, excuse me, and Charlie Jones pick, I expect those guys, they may not be year one heavy contributors, but uh, I think we're going to look back a couple years from now and go, wow, they got a lot of depth there uh, at the beginning of day three. The Baltimore Ravens, 10 and 7, second in the AFC North. I will tell you, they are, the, they are the draft class that I'm willing to admit there's going to be a name in here that I'm not going to be able to get. I, there's a draft class name. Oh, just, yes. It's just not going to yeah, happen. the Oregon tackle. Uh, yeah. Zay Flowers in round one, wide receiver from Boston Col- uh, College. Trenton Simpson, linebacker from Clemson in round three. Tavius Robinson, linebacker from Old Miss in round four. Caillou Blue Kelly, Stanford corner in round five. I don't know, man. You want to help me out here? You want to, you want to bail me out here? Are you looking uh, it up? Are you Googling pronunciation? I, I am because – okay, so I'm ready. All right. Uh, it's – Malisa Malasale Oma Vai Laolu. So of Malasa, La, oh yeah, I got, you, that's you got it. Got. You got it on the first try. It's okay. Tackle from Oregon and selection in round six. And Andrew Voorhees guard from USC in round seven. A couple Pac-12 offensive linemen uh, to round out this draft class. Three straight Stop. Pac-12 picks uh, in the back half of this draft. Uh, Jamie Zay Flower is going to be the takeaway here. Um, obviously getting help for Lamar Jackson earlier that day they get the big contract extension with Lamar they then add Zay Flowers it's defense with their next two picks that linebacking core that we've seen them invest in with Roquan Smith they don't pick up the fifth year option with Patrick Queen I think these two draft picks and trading for Roquan Smith has something to do with it I think Kyle Kelly is one of the better values of the draft getting a corner uh, in round five Um, another one of those how do we let the Ravens get that player they they get him in round five and then a couple of swings with some Pac-12 offensive linemen to give them some depth in that regard I think over Overall, a, a, a class well put together here for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I like this a lot. I think Zay Flowers adds an immediate another weapon to go along with Rashad Bateman, uh, Rashad Bateman and Odo Beckham Jr. Uh, inside that receivers room for Baltimore. Uh, Trent Simpson's going to be a starter. And, and I know Patrick Queen has kind of had a, a weird kind of run since he's coming to the league of up and down, up and down. Uh, but they declined his fifth year option. And I think that paired with this selection kind of says, 
the Patrick Queen era in Baltimore is at most one season longer. Octavius Robinson and Kyle Blue Kelly were solid selections there. And I like them taking a shot on Andrew Voorhees in the seventh round. Uh, this is a guy that tore his ACL at the combine, yet still led all offensive linemen and bench press with those torn AC- with that torn ACL. You know, he was somebody that was projected to go anywhere between, you know, rounds two and five before the injury with uh, kind of a lot of people kind of settling round three and round four as a possibility for him. And they get him in the middle of round seven. And I think that's a worthwhile risk for them. It's going to be a redshirt year for him. He's going to start the year on on pop and he's going to stay there for his entire rookie campaign. But, uh, you know, as a team that could always use depth upon the offensive line and and looking at future options at guard, especially in the, in the post Ben powers era, uh, I think that was a worthwhile flyer to take late. Didn't have a lot of picks, but I think they're going to add two potential starters to their team right away. And and look, this is you you resign Lamar Jackson to that large contract. This is the best group of weapons he's ever had around him. And I, I think those two things needed to go together to try to get the most out of this run. If Lamar Jackson is healthy, I mean, this is a team that has a really really high regular season win percentage when Lamar Jackson is healthy, mm-hmm. and this is a team that's gotten better. Uh, in this draft so I like what they did here again they didn't have a ton of picks only six picks but I really like what they added you look at it from the context of they needed to figure out the Lamar thing first and foremost for us to be able to really truly evaluate this draft class appropriately they made it incredibly easy for us they said don't worry guys before we even go on the clock with our first pick on night one uh, we're going to get the Lamar thing sorted out they signed to that contract and then that allows you to go into it Jamie with and listen, it teams obviously both balance the short and long term. But when you sign Lamar yep. and you sign him to the contract extension, it's go time, right? It's okay. Sure. Let's get him help. Let's continue to build yep. up this roster. We are trying to compete. We're trying to bring it to Cincinnati. And so once you have that done, that changes the framework of how you're going to look at this class. And I think through that lens, through that framework, a job well done. They had to get a receiver. They might have gotten the best wide receiver in this draft class. Truly. They might have. And, and quite frankly, let's be real. I mean, the, the Ardo Beckham Jr. is a one-year deal. I know he's going to be on their books for a while with the Voyagers, but it's a one-year deal. And, and I think you're looking at Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman as your two potential long-term options. Uh, and maybe, again, maybe you add somebody else in next year's class or in free agency. But this is a long-term play. Lamar Jackson is a young man. Mm-hmm. So like this, this, is a, this is a play for we're going to try to be Super Bowl contenders in a tough division. Uh, but I like what they did here. But I'm going to tease this, Chris. My, my favorite draft class, draft class of this division is coming up right now. Uh, I would agree. I I had my rankings ready to go. I had a version of it before the show. As we were talking, I made a change to it. Um, and, and I'll spoil it here. My favorite class is the one we're about to talk about right now because the team that finished third in this division at 9-8, and eight, the Pittsburgh Steelers, look, we were talking about framework and the vision for a team going in. Last year, they got the quarterback, right? They got Kenny Pickett. They have started a new chapter there in Pittsburgh. This draft class, I think, was in a lot of ways being able to maximize what you have in Kenny Pickett. They trade up to take Broderick Jones in the first round. It's Joey Porter Jr. in the top of the second round to give themselves a corner. We all know the story there of Joey Porter, a senior playing there in Pittsburgh. That makes a ton of sense. It's Keanu Benton with their second second-round pick, D-tackle from Wisconsin. To me, the steal of the draft, I know the injury concerns are there, but Darnell Washington, to, to pick him in the third round, tight end out of Georgia, is so perfect for what they 
they want to do in terms of an offensive football identity. Smash mouth football, great. You got a great blocker in Darnell Washington. Oh, great. You got a quarterback who maybe has some limitations. You want to use the pass catching tight end? Darnell Washington provides that for you. Nick Herbig, linebacker from Wisconsin in round four, and then a pair of seventh round picks. Corey Trice, Purdue corner, and then Spencer Anderson, offensive guard uh, from Maryland. But Jamie, these first four picks, man, home run, knocked it out of the park, grand slam, take a bow, bat flip, do whatever you want. I think they, they knocked this out of the park. Yeah, I thought they did a great job here. Get three starters right off the bat here. Broderick Jones, which I know hurts you inside a little bit because they jumped the Jets to to get him. Uh, Jory Porter Jr. falls into the lap at the top of round two, and I actually think that might be good for him uh, because the concerns about Jory Porter Jr. coming out were not about his athletic ability. It was about how much he relied on that versus putting in the work. And if you watch those videos that got released with him and his his father, Jory Porter Sr., I think that this might be enough motivation for him falling one spot out of the first round to kind of get him to go, you know what, I'm going to play with a chip on my shoulder now, which is scary because he has the the high-level talent to be – he has the raw talent to be the best corner in this class. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any debate about that if he plays up to that potential. Uh, Keanu Benton, absolute run stuffer up the middle, will be a great fit in the front of that Pittsburgh defense. You talked about Darnell Washington, who they took a chance on. Uh, but let's talk about a guy that took a chance on with an injury risk later. And I know we didn't, we were not aware of this injury coming into the draft, but Corey Trice Jr. has a lot of potential, that cornerback out of Purdue. And if his health clears up and he gets a chance to play, I would not be surprised, despite him being a late seventh-round pick, if he ends up turning into a starter for the Steelers before the end of his rookie contract. I really like that pick. Nick Herbig's a great value uh, in the fourth round as well. I mean, I, I see three instant starters. Mm-hmm. Two and uh, two more potential contributors and another starter potentially down the road for them. And like you said, put Kenny Pickett in a great spot. You've got George Pickens. You've got Deontay Johnson. You now have got a good combination of tight end and Darnell Washington and Pat Fryermuth. Got your running back in Najee Harris. You're starting to rebuild the offensive line again. There's still work to be done. And I still think this is a team that's going to be hovering around 500. But they got significantly better in key areas in this draft, and I think you have to be really excited for what they've done here if you're a Steelers fan. Again, a team that understood where they were, understood what they needed to do, and understood how they needed to help their quarterback, and they did so by adding offensive line protection and then giving him a pass-catching target as well. So you got to love that from that perspective. All right, the last team's draft class that we need to recap, and Jamie – I find myself sitting here saying, what a draft for this entire division. Everybody did really well here. We'll close it out uh, by talking about the Cleveland Browns. Again, a team that I think a lot of people are expecting to bounce back now that Deshaun Watson will be able to play a full season. He's now back playing football, right? Took a, you know over a year off, 700-plus days. Um, had to yep. shake and off some. And looked like it. Right. Had to Let's shake off some he of the rocks. did not play well. Did not play yeah. well. And, and that that that's a big concern is can he return to form? Well, this draft class potentially helping the entire team out in that regard. It's Cedric Tillman in the third round, wide receiver from Tennessee. Siaki Ika, defensive tackle from Baylor in round three. A pair of fourth-round picks, Dewan Jones, offensive tackle. Isaiah McGuire, defensive end from Missouri. A pair of fifth-round picks, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, quarterback from UCLA. Cameron Mitchell, corner from Northwestern. And Luke Whipler, center from Ohio State in the sixth to close it out. Listen, Jamie, for a team that didn't start picking until round three, I thought they did really well. They got an extra target for their offense. They needed a run stuffer, uh, and they, they went out and got Siaki in the third they got potentially the best value I know he just said it with Darnell Washington but you could make the case for Dewan Jones falling to the fourth round yeah. uh, to help protect Deshaun Watson pass rush depth with Isaiah McGuire you take a quarterback to be your potential long-term backup pro- uh, project in Dorian Thompson Robinson and then a couple of flyers in the fifth and the sixth that's the way I see this class 
Yeah, I mean, this is about as good as you can ask for when you don't, you don't have a top 70 pick. And I thought they still came out with a really, really strong draft. And it's going to probably rank fourth in the division for me, but I don't want that to indicate that I didn't like it. I, I thought this was a very good job by them. Uh, I'm really liking what they're doing in the receiving core right now around Deshaun Watson because, you, you know, you make the trade for Amari Cooper. You've been grooming Donovan Peoples-Jones for a little bit now. You go out and trade for Elijah Moore, and now you bring in Cedric Tillman. And I think that – quartet with guys like Anthony Schwartz hanging around in the background is actually a really exciting receiving core. Uh, and I, I'm, it, it might not have the, I guess Cooper's kind of a sexy name, but it, it might not have the the value of some of these other cores, but that's a lot of depth and a lot of players that I think are quality options for them. And, and if you didn't have a chance to watch Donovan Peoples Jones last year, he really took a step forward. So I think you have four very capable to very good starting wide receivers, which is a really nice luxury to have if you're Cleveland because you already got two running backs you like, and you're hoping you get a step forward with Deshaun Watson this year. Uh, you know, Dewan Jones, incredible value. Uh, I still don't know why he fell into day three of the draft. It seems crazy to me um, that he fell this far, even with some of the other concerns. And there's been random reports about NBA versus NFL that he's debunked. It's, it's been this whole thing, but uh, I love that pick there. Siak Yike feels like, you know, you said it to me during the draft. It always felt like this was the landing spot for him. Zay McGuire is an underrated player from Missouri who I like. DTR, uh, a long-term backup option, I think will be a great person to have in that room. Cam Mitchell, a really underrated cornerback prospect. And Luke Weipler, an, an, an underrated center prospect. So, I really like what they've done here. And if they get the Deshaun Watson that we saw in Houston, this could be a really dangerous team. Uh, and there's still some holes on the defensive side you would like them to clear up. But this is one of those teams where I start to look at what they've been able to put together, particularly on offense. And I bet, you know what? If, if Deshaun Watson bounces back this year, this could be a really scary team and a team you don't really want to play. Uh, will not allow, and I know you weren't doing it, I'm just going to make it very clear, will not allow any Amari Cooper slander, completely underrated as a, as a receiver. And no, no, no. I, and I, the I, Cleveland Browns stole him from the Dallas Cowboys for a fifth-round yes. draft selection. Stole him, uh, and he proved it Correct. this past year. I will say this. This didn't impact my grade, but it was just something that I was a little surprised about, Jamie. I was surprised that this team didn't take a swing on a running back. They lose Kareem Hunt. They've been riding Nick Chubb. I thought maybe they would try to get yep. that complimentary piece for for Nick Chubb because I don't know if they necessarily want him uh, to be carrying the workload. I know they have Jerome Ford and Demetric Felton Jr. on the roster as backups. I thought they would take a swing, so a little surprising that they didn't do that because again, do you really want to completely rely on Nick Chubb for all four quarters? Not to say he can't be he can't be reliable, but do you want to give him even more of a workload than you've already been asking him to do in recent years? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jerome Ford's a really interesting option for them. And, and I think they took him last year with a purpose. And this was always kind of the purpose. We kind of saw them move on from Kareem Hunt. But I, I do agree with you that I was a little surprised they didn't add one late. But I also understand when you don't have a top 70 pick. Tough to, and, tough to reach like that for positions of maybe Well, access. and I think you start to look at the guys that got in the fifth and sixth rounds. And you start to wonder, like, I don't know if they expected them to be on the board. I don't know if they expected Cameron Mitchell to be on the board. I don't know if they expected Luke Weipler to be on the board. So, like, I could see those being spots where they probably targeted a running back, but then they saw guys that probably had high day three grades for them still sitting on the board there in the fifth and the sixth. And they went, you know what? We just can't pass up on those options. We could find a guy. And I think this will be a team to watch when we get to 
uh, training camp waiver wire after big cut day, and we start seeing a bunch of guys get get moved around after last cut. This could be a team that that delves into whatever running back, whatever high end running back ends up getting high ish end running back that ends up getting uh, released around that time. I can see them dabbling in that. All right, Jamie, let's rank these. I think we're going to disagree. I, I have Steelers one. I, do, I think you I, do too. As do I. I have Bengals two. As do I. I have Browns three. That okay? So uh, earlier, the way you said it made me think that you were going to have. Um, I yeah. Ravens, no, I, I changed my mind on the fly. Now I, I see it again. The three and then Ravens four. But I will say this: all of them were above average. average. B plus or above, yes. I think, is the grade. If we were yes, giving out letter grades, good. they were all good. I think the thing, and maybe this is bad of me, and I'm sure the listeners will tell me that this is terrible for this being the thought process. I give Cleveland the edge over Baltimore because I think they did more with less. Not picking until round three, you're able to come away with this class. I, I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little extra bonus points. You can, but I think you could also hold the. I mean, you could hold both classes up against each other. Right. And, and again, to I me, love that's Zay the tiebreaker. And... The tiebreaker would be to me like I think they're close enough to where I need a tiebreaker, and that's well, and, the tiebreaker for me. And that's the thing. Obviously, if you want to take the first picks, and Zay Flowers versus uh, Cedric Tillman. Obviously, Zay Flowers is better, but I would argue from that pick on, if you put the two classes against each other, that Cleveland wins. And I don't think the difference between Flowers and Tillman is greater than I think the difference is between all the, the other list of picks to Baltimore. That's fair. That's Not fair. the Baltimore made bad picks. It's just I, I really like what Cle- – it it's funny. Cleveland almost did the Baltimore thing where they sat back just and let players. some yep. of these guys fall to them. Yep. And they just grabbed them when they did. So I, I like what they did. But this entire division got, got a little bit better, mm-hmm. and I think that's really exciting. Well, and that leads we'll us into this. the next question. Did anybody close the gap on the Cincinnati Bengals? This is not fair. Uh, the B- Baltimore did because they got the Lamar stuff Baltimore done. did because they, they signed Lamar right. again. Um, so, it, yes. It's exactly what I thought. Exactly I think, what, all, yes, what I I think every team got better. Yeah. I think every team got better. And, and, but here's why I say where this gets really interesting. And obviously the Bengals are still the favorites, and they should still be the favorites. And they're my pick to win the division as of now. But I, I think there are a couple things that are really interesting with the other three teams in particular. The Ravens now have more weapons around Lamar Jackson than they ever have before. What does that mean going forward? In Cleveland, what happens if Deshaun Watson looks like the Deshaun Watson of old? Mm-hmm. Does he come become? Does this team become a contender? Which isn't. Can I just cut you off? Which isn't a. And I know he didn't play well last year, but that's not one of those leaps that you're making that you're like, oh, this could happen. We've seen Deshaun Watson seen play it. at a very elite level. So if he plays yes. like that, that's a problem for the division. It just is. Yes. So, and we'll see. And on Pittsburgh, does Kenny Pickett take a sophomore jump? Right. And I think you look at the pieces that they added around the class. Does he take a jump, slashes TJ Watt healthy all year? Mm-hmm. Like, I think those, you put those pieces together, and this becomes a division where I would not be surprised if everybody wins eight plus games. Like, that's, it's very doable. And, and, got, and by the way, if there's any division that's always going to beat up on itself, it's the AFC North. They make a tradition of it. But there are some really interesting new dynamics on the teams behind Cincinnati that make things really interesting to me. So I, I think this is going to be a really exciting division. I love what each of them have done. And I think you can make an argument in your head that any of these teams can be a playoff team. If the right thing breaks, any of these teams can, can make the playoffs. And I expect at least two, if maybe not three of these teams to come out and make the AFC playoffs. So it, it'll be really interesting to see. The AFC man is just so difficult right now, and I, and I know that goes into some of these other teams. But you know, when you talk about the issues that the Jets face, the issues that the Chargers face, the issue that the Dolphins face, 
issue that any of these other teams in this division face of that they're going to be a lot of competitive teams in the AFC this year and only seven can make it. Yep. Yep. It's the biggest thing that keeps me up at night when considering my team in the New York Jets is that the only seven teams get in. And I think there are more than seven teams that could legitimately have a case uh, in order to get there. So uh, there yeah, you have it. The-, the saving grace is the AFC South sucks. So they're only going to get their division winner most likely. But sure, like, but you got every other division that can make a case for every at other le- division. At least got- two, if not three teams in the case of the options. North and the East, which would be the, which is the scary part. Right, so we're looking for in three wild card spots. Let's just assume Kansas City. Let's assume Cincinnati, and let's assume Buffalo, just okay. for the sake of this argument. Yep. So you've got the Jets, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Steelers, or the say Steelers or Browns. Right. Let's just say we put those two together for four. The Chargers five. Are you willing to pound the table for anybody else? Not particularly. Five teams okay. for three. So spots. that that means at least two of those teams are going to miss, and that's if. Russell Wilson doesn't bounce back. Right. That's if Cleveland and Pittsburgh aren't good. That's if we don't see, I don't know, a crazy run from like, maybe the Titans go on a weird run randomly. Like, I mean, if maybe, you don't see or the maybe, Colts, maybe, maybe Anthony the, Richardson's a ph- phenomenon. Maybe like, the Patriots. Maybe the Patriots are able to maybe, mess around and win maybe, a couple games. Deuce, like, I mean, yeah. it's it's going to be a tough. There are going to be multiple quality AFC teams that miss the playoffs. And we're going to watch like an eight win we watch like two eight-win teams in the NFC game. <laughs> yep, yep, 100%. And it's the thing that keeps me up at night. Uh, AFC North in the books, NFC North on tomorrow's show. We've got three more of these, uh, and then we will kick it into the full summer content. Got a lot of fun things planned for everybody. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Eisner. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You've got the YouTube version over on the Draft Network YouTube channel. Appreciate you consuming this podcast and video wherever you consume it. Uh, hope everybody has a great rest of their Monday. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.